Hello and welcome to a Friday, January 20th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. As always, I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and on this Friday night, we get to talk about a nine-game slate coming on the back of a pretty exciting four-game slate on the Thursday itself. We had a Euro game, we had a choke game from the Raptors, and then we had an <laughs> match as well that uh, graced our television sets on the Thursday itself. But that does leave us with quite a few teams going on to the Friday into back-to-backs, a f- couple of injuries, and a couple of questionable tags altogether to really make this an interesting slate. I, and I've got my guy Ramiz here who's going to talk through it with me. But before we get into the slate itself, Ramiz, last podcast we had together, we were at odds. I would say we were like five picks altogether were ones we probably agreed on. And then after that, it just kind of became a free-for-all all the way. And by the end of it, we had a situation in which we were like, all right, I have a duo that I'm building as the pillar of my lineup here, which was Damian Lillard and Joel Embiid on one side, while on the other hand, you had... James Harden and Nikola Jokic coming on to that side. So I'm going to take this opportunity for you to not only tell me how your day's going, but how did that duo matchup end up turning out for you? You know, so I think there was some miscommunication because, you know, at the end of that pod, I I messaged Jokic like, you got to go off, but I didn't Mm -hmm. message James. And I think that's where the mess up happened, right? And I I messaged him later on. He's like, oh, he didn't didn't know about that bet. And so he didn't really Uh try, you know. (laughs) So I think, uh, that's why, you know, James tended to struggle. But, uh, hey, man, uh, I was close. It was just Harden who struggled, man. And it was just, well, he took six shots, too. Like, the times where I needed him to be selfish, he wanted to be a passive guy. He's been Thank a passing know. guy all all season. And Harden's my guy all the way through. But this is the way the matchups were working out. And knowing what I know about Dame and Denver, it happened exactly as expected. He ended up dropping 44-8 and eight in that game. And for his price tag, that was just going to be hard to make up. Because even if Jokic did his thing, which he did... You knew Embiid was going to do his thing. Oh, Jokic absolutely went off. 36, 12, and 10. Excellent game. But so did Embiid. 41 points to go along with it. So So we're going to have to uh, revisit this and see uh, what kind of of a wager I have won in this time. We're going to have to talk about this. Maybe go out for some dinner. Maybe have, uh, you know, a, uh, a Twitter... Twitter live, a Twitter meetup, something of that sort to be able to show just exactly what happens when uh, Dame Bead gets messed with. But we'll leave that there. <laughs> Maybe we will have another uh, duel at some point as we start to talk about it. But let's get right into today's slate here. You know, nine games coming through. And as always with these games, you know, you have to kind of pick and choose your battles here. There's so many opportunities and so many ways that you could potentially go with your lineup. And really, the way that I have been finding my structure here, I'm actually not getting too many like super expensive guys uh, into my lineup here. I feel like prices have adjusted pretty pretty drastically for a number of players over here that has put them in very much of a sweet spot for me as far as their kind of value is concerned. And again, in these kind of slates, you're looking for that opportunity to get a guy who can give you 6x, 7x, or those really cheap guys that have those 10x possibilities i'm looking at you tj mcconnell so we're just talking about uh, all of that but let's get right into the first game of the night here 
the New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Orlando Magic. Now, with the fact that we are doing this on a Thursday night into the uh, primer for those who are going to be listening to us in the morning, we are missing a couple of um, a couple of totals, a couple of spreads here. But we do have it for the Pelicans Magic game, which is a 226 and a half game with the Pelicans favored to win by two here. But I'll be honest, I'm not super, super excited about this matchup from a DFS standpoint. But Ramiz, why don't you tell me what you're looking at? Uh, honestly, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't really have a lot of players. I do have JV just on the basis that I feel like uh, Magic has this, you know, this tenure to play a lot of big men. So I think JV might be able to get some easy post buckets, some easy rebounds. And he's only at price of 6,800. So I think uh, if you're someone to look out in this type of matchup, I think possibly JV is one of those guys. Yeah, that's fair. I think the only one I was looking at was if uh, Najee Marshall, who is listed as questionable coming into this game, if he's sitting out, then I'm looking at Larry Nance for 3,400 potentially coming into the starting lineup. We know that if he can get 25 minutes, he's got that capability to be able to drop you know, high 20s, if not more, as far as his uh, DK points are concerned. So that's probably the one area where I could potentially have some interest. But yeah, just with you here, I think there is more exciting games coming through. And let's jump into the first one, really, of the night, a 7.30 Eastern tip-off. Golden State Warriors on a back-to-back here going into Cleveland to be able to take on the Cavaliers. We don't have a game total for this one just because there is a big questionable tag over Donovan Mitchell coming into this game. With his groin, he was listed as doubtful for the previous game and then he was ultimately ruled out. And now he's been, as you can say, an upgrade to questionable on here. But I, I don't know, man. I feel like these groin injuries, especially Mitchell, who's had him in the past, has kind of taken a little bit of time to uh, get himself back on the floor here. So from my perspective, there's, to me, a couple of potentially exciting prospects here looking at that upside. Uh, The first and foremost, and this is where we're talking about where I'm potentially spending my money, I'm seeing it more on the guard side while I'm cheaping out on the the front court. And Darius Garland is where I'm starting off over here. At 8,100 in a matchup against the Warriors in a situation where the Warriors have not been very good against opposing point guards this season. And Garland sitting at 8,100, if he is going to be sitting there without Donovan Mitchell, he's going to do similar things to what he's been doing in the last two games. Even if he's not shooting extremely well, he's still been able to put up 59, 58 DK points. He's going to have all the usage in his bucket. And three-point attempts are going to be near double digits again. There's just so much to like about whenever Garland gets more usage, and he's been finding himself getting kind of back on track after what has been, I don't want to say a middling season, because it's been a really good season overall for him, but he's clearly taken that backseat to Donovan Mitchell on the squad, and for him to kind of get those opportunities to make himself that point of focus again, I think that's a that's a really big spot for him. And I think the same kind of usage going around spreads itself to both Karis Levert and Isaac Okoro as well. Both of them who will likely get more minutes, potentially both in the starting lineup again, 5,400 and 3,700 respectively. Both dropped about uh, 7 to 8x in their last games. The opportunity's there. Let's see what Donovan Mitchell's doing. Uh, what do you have on your side? Uh, so for the Cleveland side of things, I got a couple of players too. You went with Darius Collins, but I went with his, I guess his second like his crime and partner as is at the moment right now, which is Evan Mobley. I think Evan Mobley has been playing pretty great basketball. He's been able to get you over like around 18 points per game on these last few games, uh, 10 rebounds, a few blocks. And then even like in the past matchup against Golden State, he excelled because I think they, and uh, uh, because he's, his ability like to play on the mismatches and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, what's amazing about his past few games is that he's been playing this with Jared Allen. 
because that's always a concern, right? Because if you wonder if Jared Allen is going to be overlapping his game, you know, not making him be able to get his easy post hooks, but he's been doing this with uh, Jared Allen on the floor. I mean, even again, the game against Memphis is, uh, it was a close game and it ended up him coming down to 18 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, two blocks. So I thought that was a wonderful performance. So I think without Donovan Mitchell in the game, I think they're, they are going to struggle and they're going to rely on Mobley to score a lot more. And another guy who I think they're going to rely on is Ricky Rubio at 3,500. I think the Warriors have a lot of guards, which might allow the Cavs to kind of play a similar lineup with that two-guard lineup with Rubio and Garland, which I think they've run a lot, not only this season, but last season. And I, I know it's really good because in the sense that it allows Garrett Garland to play off-ball and Rubio has a lot more playmaking duties. Obviously, the concern comes with Rubio, though, is, is he going to get a lot of minutes? Because he did come back from, I believe, a torn ECF, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't been playing a lot of minutes, but when he does get a good amount of minutes, even last game, he had 12 minutes, and I believe he got around 20 DK fantasy points, if I'm not mistaken. So as we can get a few minutes, a good amount of minutes to play with uh, the bigs and this Garland, I think he can have a great night. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, his price is low enough that he just really needs to get a little bit going as far as his production is concerned. But I said the minutes are there. Uh, On the Golden State side, really the only guy that uh, I've consistently looked at is Draymond Green, especially in any sort of matchup in which it's going to be against an opponent that probably will, I don't want to say get him taxed a little bit more, get him a little bit more excited. It's just the kind of guy who doesn't really uh, go at it when it's an opponent that he, I don't know if I want to say feels that it's not at their level. This is just a, this is just my observation. And it, he's just one of those guys who's looking for a fight. He's looking for a challenge. And then that's where he kind of shows up and he's had two great games now uh, coming back in a row today in that NBA Finals matchup, dropped a near triple-double in that one as well. Excellent game. And, of course, in that Washington game right before that, he also dropped 47 DK points in that. So he's definitely on a high as far as his production is concerned. His price tag still sitting at 6100 As a power forward who's going to have a lot of uh, potential to get you dimes, get your rebounds, and his stocks are always there. So you, you can always kind of see that making up for the fact that he's not really scoring, but he has two double-digit scoring games in a row as well. So that's good, and it's a good sign that he's doing it with Wiggins back, Clay back, Curry, Poole, everyone being there. So that, I think, actually helps Draymond. He becomes more of that kind of intermediary passer to be able to get everything going, and I think he's got the upside to be able to drop anywhere between 35 to 40 DK points if the match can stay close somehow. Moving. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I, I also chose Draymond as a trigger for some Yep. He's been playing some great basketball. And I think you said it like he, his game is probably the only one out of the five who really gets affected from the other person because he's the only one who can really do what he does on the court. And against the, uh, the finals matchup, he went off again, and I think he'll do it against the Cavs as well. Love it. Love it. Let's see. Well, let's just move right on to the Miami and Dallas matchup here, which is actually one of the lowest scoring spread games so far. 217.5 on this one. But Miami favored to win by just one. So a bit of a toss-up game over here. Looks like we might get a bit of a cagey, close matchup there. And you know what? Those kind of games are always what Miami like. They like grinding you down and really making you play at their pace. But to be fair, Dallas with Luka Doncic have not been playing at a fast pace either. But that hasn't prevented Doncic from continuing to do his thing. That being said, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there now. I'm not really up on uh, on Doncic in this matchup. I'm not really looking for uh, him given the price tag and given some of the other opportunities that are there. He's at 12400 I'm sure you'll talk about it. But for me, the only real guy that I'm looking at over here is Tyler Hero. 
6700 I think his price tag has dropped pretty significantly from uh, where he was kind of prior to his injury. But he's gotten his minutes uh, back in tow. I'm not looking too much at that Pelicans game where he only played 24 minutes in a blowout, but still got 13 shots up. More importantly, got six of those to go down, which is really good for his confidence, what's needed at this point. Seven dives in that, 33 DK points, which really I expect this to be a closer game. For 6700 I think it's going to be one of those opportunities for him to, again, be more of a focal point on a team that's going to be really getting you know Jimmy Butler having a lot of that defensive pressure coming in from Dallas over there. He's going to get the opportunity to take some of those shots off of some of those passes that are going to come from Bam and from Jimmy Butler. Lots of opportunity for him to uh, go ahead and get there. And uh, a 40 DK point night isn't too far if you can get some of his shots to go down. So that's kind of where I'm looking as far as Miami is concerned. So let me just copy your answer and paste it on my side of things because also someone who I was thinking about. Because I noticed Tyler's Harrell's uh, his salary. I think uh, I'm looking at right now. He started at, at he started in 2023 at 9100. He's now all the way down to 6700, and uh, he's still been able to get you over 30 DK fantasy points. So I think uh, I mean you said Tyler Harrell at 6700 is a good shout. He's still gonna get his shots. He's he's still been racking up a few assists, a few rebounds, and that at 6700 is probably really good value. On the Mavericks side of things, I I went for Kind of a, a, a like a, a a guy who's gonna get a lot of minutes, I guess, and that's Dorian Finney Smith at 3,800. Uh, because with uh, Christian Wood's absence, I and I don't think Maxi Kleber is still healthy. That only leaves them with Javon McGee, Dwight Powell, and Davis Bertans. And I think in this type of matchup where the Miami Heat don't really have a huge big man, I think the Mavericks might experiment with Dorian Finney Smith at center a lot more in this type of matchup. And at 3,800, he, he, I think he's some really great value, especially considering he had a really great game against, uh, I believe, the Atlanta Hawks. So I think uh, I like Dwayne Finney-Smith for the Mavericks. Yeah, I like it. I, I think that was uh, one of those areas where they definitely want to see a little bit more production coming from him, who's also returning from his injury now and uh, starting to get his minutes back to normal, as he did in that Atlanta game. So not a bad shout there. Uh, with Christian Wood being out, I'm also looking at uh, Dwight Powell to continue to get that starting uh, starting nod. Got 25 minutes in the last game. Uh, not necessarily the most upside you know, worthy player all there, but for 3,000, he really just needs to uh, be able to get a couple of things to get himself into that 20-plus DK points scenario. So uh, as I said, I've been looking more at spending up on my backcourt here and uh, cheaping out a little on the frontcourt. I may not have Dwight Powell as my main guy. I think um, there's a certain other center coming up from a uh, certain Madison Square Garden team that I'm going to like a little bit more for uh, his uh, low price over here. So let's uh, let's go ahead and see how that ends up working out. But Powell's where I'm looking at as far as Dallas is concerned. Well, let's move right on then to that New York and Atlanta game, which... <laughs> 232 total, the Atlanta Hawks favor to win by four from an injury standpoint over here. We do have Trey Young listed as questionable for this game, and we're going to have to see if his ankle soreness does uh, subside well enough for him to actually go ahead and play on the uh, on the night there. Uh, as far as New York is concerned, the big news that we got earlier today is that Mitchell Robinson has gone ahead and underwent the surgery on his broken thumb, and he's going to be out for at least three weeks in that. So that is where you know, there's a couple of opportunities opening up here. And I'm going to go back to a guy who was really killing it early on in the season and then found his role just completely sapped away. And that's Isaiah Hartenstein. We saw him in any situation where he goes ahead and gets 
20 plus minutes. He's a supremely productive rebounder. And more so than that, he actually has a pretty solid post game. Uh, we saw that a lot more when he was with the Clippers early on. Uh, and then early in this season as well, where he was dropping, you know, consistently in the mid twenties, as far as DK points are concerned, but he is at bargain basement, 3000 salary here. And I expect that he's going to be the one who gets the opportunity to be able to start over a Jericho Sims, who's kind of the other uh, potential guy over here. Who's, uh, you know, the, obviously the younger of the two and one that New York may potentially be looking to develop. But in general, at this moment, New York is in a, in a position where they're making that playoff push. They're trying to, you know, really hone in on the talents that they have. And obviously the Mitchell Robinson, huge loss for them. He's having the best season of his career, had been just an absolute force in the front court for them. And they're going to need some more of that. And Isaiah Hartenstein has shown that he has the ability to provide that. So at 3000, he's actually my favorite kind of center from a price to uh, price to performance ratio, but we're going to have to see how that works out. And going back to that kind of price adjustment that we've been seeing, and this is not necessarily a guy that I love taking, but RJ Barrett all the way down to 6,500 in this matchup over here. And again, a fast-paced matchup coming through. I don't love it, but the fact is there aren't too many small forwards in this uh, in this entire slate that I'm super excited about. RJ Barrett is one that just kind of ends up fitting with uh, with the way my lineups are kind of working out there. Again, you know that he is going to be uh, kind of streaky as far as his shooting is concerned, and it's not been amazing in the last two games, but his rebounding numbers are going up. I expect they're going to continue to be required, especially now with Mitchell Robinson being out there and uh, Atlanta loving to take all those shots from the perimeter. So long rebounds, lots of opportunities for RJ to kind of grab the ball, push it up. He's shown that he's been pretty uh, pretty effective in the fast break. So we'll have to see how that works out. But for 6,500, I think the upside is there for him to do quite well for that price tag. So uh, last podcast, we had uh, uh, Harden and Jokic versus Embiid and Dame. <laughs> uh-huh. In this pod, we have Jericho Sims versus Isaiah Hardenstein. <laughs> because Jericho Sims is what I'm going for. All right. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, Jer- Jericho Sims at 3,000. Isaiah Hardenstein has been struggling, and I don't know if Isaiah Hardenstein is going to be able to provide what the Knicks are looking for. I think uh, with Jericho Sims, he can provide not the same value as uh, Mitchell Robinson, but in terms of like being able to catch those lobs, uh, get you some rebounds, I think Jericho Sims can do that much better than Isaiah Hardenstein. And then I was looking at, uh, at the, a few games. No, I think the one game that Mitchell Robinson missed against Golden State and uh, that game, I get uh, Jericho Sims excelled in that matchup. That was against Golden State. So uh, I'm just using all the evidence from beforehand. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> going to go with Jericho Sims at 3,000. But Isaiah Hardenstein is definitely a good shot. Yeah, well, we'll see how that works out. And we know Atlanta <laughs> does have a, a little bit more size at the front court there. Both Capella and Okongwu are there. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll see about that. But with the Trey Young situation, that's where you also get a little bit of uh, you know exciting price tags from an Atlanta perspective. Again, this goes back to keeping an eye on that injury report because if Trey is out, DeJounte Murray at 7,800 just becomes an absolute must play for me as far as I'm concerned. That price tag has dropped. He's got shooting guard eligibility, which is even more exciting for me. He's coming off two excellent games. In fact, three excellent games going all the way back to his uh, <clears throat> absolute clinic on Toronto. So he's 49, 51, 48 as far as DK points are concerned. And I don't understand why his price tag isn't necessarily reflected that. It's actually gone down a little bit. So that's, uh, that makes it something to really keep an eye on. Because I may, I may have just been playing him regardless, to be honest, of, of, of Trey Young playing or not. But if he's not there, 
I'm absolutely jumping on that. And I'm also going to find myself jumping a lot more on John Collins as well if uh, if Trey Young is out. Again, 5,500. We know what John Collins can do offensively. It's just a matter of usage for him. And that's going to come by and large with the fact that, uh, you know, Trey Young's 20 shots are going to have to go around somewhere. And uh, John Collins is going to get advantage of that. DeJounte Murray is definitely going to get the advantage of that. And Bogdan Bogdanovich was also questionable for this game. If he's not there, his shot's got to go around as well. So someone's got to score. If none of those guys are there, those two are my main ones. And then a little bit of a side if you're not looking to cheap out on the front court like me, then Aaron Holiday probably becomes viable as well at 3,000. Yeah, that's for sure some great shots. I think uh, I think that's why you said that you got to stay on top of the injury report because you don't know who's going to play. For example, you know, Trey might play, Bogey might not play. Maybe you want, still want to go for Aaron Holiday. But in the scenario that Trey doesn't play, I I, I like Jonathan Murray too. At 7,800, he's, he's a, a guy when Trey doesn't play, he takes a lot more duties than... Uh, Usually he than he usually does, and he, he usually excels to. I mean, out of the games you can look at for his past without Trey Young, there's only been one game where he tends to struggle. The rest where he's got over 40 DK fantasy points, and at 7,800, I think that's a for sure lock if Trey doesn't play. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's see how that ends up working out as well, and we will move right on to the Clippers and Spurs game. And this one makes it easy for me because I have zero interest in this game, given the price tags and given how uh, the spreads look in here. 232-1, the Clippers uh, favored to win by seven. Looks like they'll be fully healthy here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and let you get first because I think you were talking about how you may have uh, some uh, cheap options here that you're looking at. But yeah, I'm just I'm just avoiding this game altogether personally. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of interest in this game, but I, like I just I think uh, if you want to take a chance, maybe on Reggie Jackson, 3200, he's still a pretty budget option. He's been able to rack up around 18 DK fantasy points, so maybe this is a game where he kind of finally peaks out. On the Spurs side of thing, I liked uh, Soshan at 4700. He's been playing some great basketball. I don't know how if he'll be able to do it against the Clippers, but honestly, out of the Spurs, I think they're all really kind of priced out to where they are. If you're looking for upside, Soshan is probably your best bet. Yep, fair enough. Well, let's uh, let's not waste too much time on that. Move right on because we are now getting into the late night side of the games, the last four games of the night. First one, Indiana going into Denver, 240 and a half total points on this one with the Nuggets favored to win by 11, which, of course, is uh, getting you a little bit of worry as far as blowouts are concerned. But as I say a million times over, Look at the game itself. Look at what you think the pace is going to be. Don't look at what you think the spread is potentially going to be because it doesn't take much for a game to stay close. And all of a sudden, if you're trying to game script blowouts, you always find yourself kind of on the short end of that stick. That's just some uh, wise advice from a lot of DFS games under my belt. As far as... Far as the Indiana Pacers are concerned. The major injury continues to be what we already know, which is Tyrese Halliburton being out. And that just opens up the two guys in the backcourt that just continue to be where I have consistently been kind of taking them. Uh, TJ McConnell more so than Andrew Nemhard, though both of them I think are absolutely viable options. McConnell has seen his price tag slightly go up and he's actually coming off a slightly, I guess you can say, less productive game against OKC where he played 25 minutes in a blowout, uh, only got 20 and a half DK points in that. But I think that actually makes it a little more interesting to me. I'm hoping people stay away and are not uh, thinking that TJ McConnell is going to come and do well here. There's one thing about guards going into Denver and 
you know, we talk about the altitude, we talk about all those things. That's usually the one position that people like to do well. The uh, front court ends up struggling that little bit more, I guess, you know, harder to breathe. I don't know what you want to say. But regardless, 5800 I think, is a great price continuously for TJ. Honestly, until Tyrese Halliburton comes back, until TJ gets to 7000 I'll throw it out there, until he gets to 7000 he's going to be pretty much a free square for me every time, uh, even if he happens to not... Uh, absolutely you know destroy his price as he has been for four out of the last five games uh he's still just got so much upside right now it's clear that indiana need his playmaking so badly and he is also just an incredibly good and sneaky playmaker and more so than that he just has such great decision making that he will always be efficient as far as his scoring is concerned so even if you're not getting you know that 29 point night that he had against milwaukee which is obviously amazing he's still going to be in those low double digits but with a great potential to be able to get double digit assists to go with that as well so it's just a lot to like for a guy who's still priced under six thousand over here and between him and nemhard i think you'd go for either one nemhard obviously had a great game in his last one as well but he's more of a he is definitely more of a rookie in how he plays there's a little bit more kind of indecision I like the fact that he got 16 shots up in that game against OKC, which was obviously excellent for his final uh, 39.25 DK uh, DK point score. But TJ uh, McConnell is going to be where I really end up looking a lot more as far as Indiana is concerned. And it kind of remains to be the major guy as far as as far as their entire lineup is concerned for me. I went with uh, Andrew Nemhard. I think uh, Nemhard has been kind of been playing way worse than he usually does. I mean, in the past games. He was averaging around 30% from the field, 28% from three. And in the last game, he actually just hit around his averages. Besides his three-point percentage, he was hit 50%. So I think uh, Nemhard, I I still like him a bit more than T.J. McConnell. I think T.J. McConnell, uh, he has been playing great, but I think with him, you have to pay 500 more. And I think you can use that 500 more in a much different situation because 500 can change which, which type of player you get. And uh, Andrew Nemhard, I, I just I like because of his ability to shoot. So as long as he's able to hit his averages, you know, just to get a few assists, few rebounds, I think Andrew Nemar is the guy I would go for. But like you said, these guys are both are both are doing really solid, and they're both still around the affordable range. Where you, mm-hmm. I think, if you go for either one of them, obviously don't stack them. But either one of them, I think you're you're gonna have a solid stat line. And uh, I also have Miles Turner at 7100. And uh, usually I don't go for Miles Turner, but I, I I think I really found him appealing in this type of matchup because of how uh, because of the type of center he is, I know, because of his ability to bring Jokic out, I think he's going to be able to get some rebounds, some blocks. And then the last performance that he had against the Denver Nuggets was also a really great matchup. Uh, it is concerning with the altitude because, I don't, like you said, it, people breathe different when they're taller there. So, uh, I may be Miles <laughs> I like that. Breathe different when they're taller. <laughs> but uh, I like Miles in this matchup. And then uh, from the Nuggets side of thing, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I like Aaron Gordon at 6,100. Aaron Gordon has roughly been around this mark for a good minute, I believe, and uh, he's been playing some really great basketball. Uh, I mean, he wants. I think he also has some inner motivation because he believes he can make the All Star team. Hmm. So uh, I think that also helps with his case. I think he's been averaging around 19 points uh, and uh, eight rebounds, I believe, along that. And uh, he's been playing some really great basketball. So I like him at 6100. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a bad shout at all. As you said. Uh... Aaron Gordon is kind of this outside candidate to be, you know, one of those wild card picks as far as all starts. I, I don't think he'll make it, but yeah, you got to believe that you'll make it right. And then try to uh, exactly. bet on yourself if I'm to uh, steal some Fred Van Vliet stuff over here. Mm-hmm. 
But we do have, uh, from a an injury standpoint, so Jamal Murray did end up playing that last game. We did see that. Uh, ended up playing quite well, actually. You know, 10 of 18, 41 DK points on that. And, uh, you know, 6,600 is not a, a bad shout for his price either. Uh, I'm never... I'm never going to say fade Jokic. I never do. I'm probably going to have him in at least a lineup or two. But as I said, just the way my roster construction is working, I just like some of the more expensive guards here. And I just think there are more viable kind of value options in the front court today to kind of make it so that you can get pretty much like mid-tier guys for, you know, five to six out of your eight slots and then just cheap out on the front court to be able to uh, kind of have it work. So that's kind of where my lineup's going. And, uh, that's why I'm probably not going to have Jokic in too, too many of my lineups just based on how things are going. But where I am going to have my get some of my lineups going is in that Brooklyn-Utah game where we have the third last game of the night. We don't actually have a full-on – I like We do have a total for this one, 228, and uh, Utah actually favored to win by six. But exactly what I spoke about earlier, and I saw his price tag got adjusted. Ben Simmons is up to 7,000 now, but he's still – at that price range that I absolutely love. I absolutely got that pick right on the Spurs game over there. 5,900, he dropped 52 DK points on that one. Got himself ejected today, so sorry for those who ended up picking him. They're getting uh, slapped by 20 by Phoenix right now, so not great. But Brooklyn's coming in on, on a back-to-back here, and I do think that at 7,000 in a matchup where, you know, Utah just loves to play fast. And you know what? That works great for a guy like Ben Simmons who loves to attack on the fast break. You know what playing fast means? Lots of long rebounds, lots of opportunities to be able to hit back on the counter as well. And that's where Ben Simmons absolutely thrives. So I expect that he's going to have a very, very good time in this matchup, especially given the fact that the backcourt for Utah, on the other hand, is either old or just not very good defensively in in the case of either Conley or Clarkson, respectively. So not uh, not a lot to like from that perspective there, and I think his price tag is uh, is still in a very good spot for him to take advantage of that, have a 40-plus DK point night. And on the Utah side, there's there's one guy I'm looking at, and I've been talking about front court, you know, front court being in a good value price range, and that is Walker Kessler. I'm just going to keep taking Walker Kessler until Kelly Olynyk finds a way to get himself back on the floor. I, I spoke about, you know, TJ McConnell until he gets 7,000. I'm pretty much, you know, finding myself taking him most times. Walker Kessler is very much in that same mold for me. I just think he's priced way, way, way too low for what his current role is sitting at now. Uh, he's pretty much an absolute lock for high 20s as far as minutes are concerned, and he's already showing his rebounding prowess consistently. I mean, even that, I mean, obviously the 21 rebound game was an absolute high, but he's been on double-digit rebounds for four out of his last five games. His blocks continue to be just absolutely rock solid two blocks a game you can pretty much expect and he obviously has the upside to be able to do a little bit more than that as well but just even if he's sitting on his averages for what he's been doing in the last five games he's easily beating out that 5700 price tag and in this kind of a matchup against Brooklyn who do have a little bit more size at the front in a Nick Claxton you're going to continue to see Walker Kessler be required to play the kind of minutes that he has been and I expect him to have yet another massive game here. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, Walker Kessler was the I think out of these, both these teams, I didn't I didn't really pick anybody from the Nets side. I think I'd obviously pick Seth Curry last pod, but he his price went up a thousand. So I don't stay away from Seth Curry this matchup. But uh, on the Utah Jazz side of things, I I did like Walker Kessler. It's surprising that he's been playing really really great basketball, getting you exactly what we expect from the blocks, rebounds, and so a decent amount of points. And uh, he's still only priced around fifty seven hundred. So I think as long as he's in that type of range. 
I think Walker Kessler is going to be on a lot of lineups, and rightfully so, because he delivers almost every night. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk about being contrarian, but at some point, if the free score is being offered, you just got to take it. You got to eat the chalk sometimes and then uh, worry about the other parts of your lineup that you can go ahead and make a little bit of adjustment. But yeah, Walker Kessler, until he truly lets you down, he's got to keep taking him there. And speaking of not (laughs) being a letdown, I expect this Memphis and Lakers game to be a bit of a letdown from a DFS standpoint, even though it is actually 243 and a half, which is the highest point total game of the night the memphis grizzlies favored to win by six and a half but honestly i don't love any of these price tags as far as uh either side of its concern uh you know if we're talking about from an expensive standpoint i expect lebron who is questionable to play he's been questionable for his last three games and he's played every single one it's like they're just trolling us out here and memphis is fully healthy as well and really when they're fully healthy there I just don't like the upside of the price tags that are there. I expect all of them will probably be in a point where they should be able to do like 5X on their price. But uh, you tell me, is there any like major upside that you're looking at from either side here or are you kind of good to move as well? Uh, from the Lakers side of thing, I didn't, I mean, the only from the Lakers side of thing, I think the only for sure one is LeBron, but he's just, he's too expensive. I think in this type of state, you don't want to go for that much of an expensive player. But I do have one Grizzly and that's uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. is, has been kind of probably having a career year, to be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, he's having a defensive player of the year type season, averaging around four blocks, uh, been able to rack up around 16 points per game. He's been hitting his threes, getting rebounds, and he's been healthy. So so as long as he's healthy, as long as he's under the fouls, and I think it's because of the way the Lakers kind of play with their, because the, the Lakers can't shoot a three to save their life. So they end up driving out a lot, especially with the Westbrooks, the LeBrons. So I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has a lot more to capitalize on those rebounds those blocks a lot more than usual yeah no i agree completely we all know about jaron jackson's upside my only concern with him is what my concern always is with jaron jackson which is foul trouble if he's continuously getting uh, attacked in the paint we know that he has that tendency to rack up fouls in a hurry and as a result of that he actually hasn't played more than 28 minutes in any of his last four games there. So that's my only kind of concern in terms of how it goes. Obviously, Memphis has been playing excellent overall. Uh, they're just on a on a crazy streak right now, and Jaron Jackson is one of the big reasons why. I think 7,300 to me is just a little... Just given on any other slate, I probably would play him more, but I'm just kind of avoiding based on the price tag and what I've been looking at from other front court there. But I, I like where that's going. Let's see how it goes. Final game of the night. The Oklahoma City Thunder going into Sacramento to face off against another red-hot team in the Sacramento Kings. When's the last time you ever said that? <laughs> a team that I think this is going to be, if I'm not mistaken, 16 years since the Kings made the playoffs, and they'll probably break that streak this year. So super exciting for, for their fans, obviously, and uh, for the front office to make the moves that they did. Obviously took a big risk in getting rid of Halliburton and bringing in Sabonis as they did. But, you know, long-term, we can talk about it, but... For this season, it has been an excellent move for them. They are looking like a dangerous team. And I think in the playoffs as well, when they, if and when they get there, they're going to be quite the uh, quite the matchup to be able to take out. But as far as this specific game is concerned, uh, we don't actually have a total for this one because Sabonis is listed as questionable on this one with a uh, non-COVID-related illness. He didn't have practice today. So I don't know if he's going to find himself onto the floor for this one. And that's where that entire live injury report comes in because 
I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that he might choose to skip out on this game. I do think Sacramento have more than enough talent to be able to take out an OKC team at home. If Sabonis is not feeling you know, 100% over here, they are better off going out, out there without him. And that opens up all those opportunities for De'Aaron Fox at 8,200 to absolutely go ham. He is going to be running with all of the usage over there. He is going to be going up against the OKC team that loves to run as well. And if you're running, there's not too many players in the NBA that run faster than De'Aaron Fox. That man is man is a lightning bolt <laughs> from end to end. So I, I love his uh, his opportunity here in an 8200 situation where he's going to be kind of that main facilitator, the main shot taker, really as well. He's had you know 23 and 21 field goal attempts in the last two games as well. Uh, you know, he got 45 in that game against the Lakers where they won. It's just a great scenario for him to continue and. We got to see Rashawn Holmes play 31 minutes in that last game as well. So, you know, we talk about all of these front court options that are there. So for me, Hartenstein, Rashawn Holmes, Walker Kessler, all of these guys are fitting in in different spots, especially given the fact that uh, some of those have that uh, power forward eligibility as well, which allows you to kind of move them into some of these other slots because we're looking at uh, roster construction at the end overall. And if you can get these guys save a little bit of money, you can go ahead and uh, build quite a quite a strong backcourt heavy roster here and get some of the upside that comes here. So Fox and Holmes are, are where I'm looking as far as Sacramento is concerned. Uh, what about you? Anyone else from Sacramento or what you looking at from OKC? Uh, you spoke right on the money on Sacramento. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, he, I mean, whenever he, Sabonis is out, he, he just covers it really well with the amount of usage he has. against the Lakers, like you said, around 45 DK fantasy points and was Amazing. He only had like six assists, so he definitely has a lot more upside in that type of pick. And then uh, Rishon Holmes, of course, 3,500. Uh, if he can get those minutes, he I think he'll be really good. And then from the OKC side of things, I had I had Josh Giddy. I think Josh Giddy's been uh, really amazing, and, and uh, I haven't picked up on it recently until like now because I I was looking at his stat lines and he's been able to rack up on average like eight assists, eight rebounds, and then he's been hitting over like double digit uh over like 20 points i believe in its past few matchups and i really like josh giddy at 7700 i think uh uh if you want to go on a, a guy who's been playing out of his uh playing really really well over these past games uh josh giddy i think i like at 7700 yeah i like it i had giddy on my list as well and also just going back to the fact that i spoke about those small forwards kind of being a bit of a hard category to be able to fill at least the way I'm finding my lineups. I do think Lou Dort, who has had two great games in a row over here, continues to be you know, that guy that they really need for that kind of second to third option as far as pure offense is concerned. For him, it's always, can he get his percentages into some sort of a decent stratosphere and the rest kind of goes because he's going to have his minutes and he's going to get his shots. It's almost like a Dylan Brooks kind of situation, except Lou Dort uh, actually has uh, a little bit more of that uh, three-point range to his game as well. So... It's not, you know, an absolute like smash bag because this is a great matchup or any of that. But I do think uh, in a game that's going to be pretty fast paced for him at 5000 coming off of two great games and alongside that also getting 11 rebounds in the last one, really just showing that he has that little bit more prowess on that aspect as well. I think you've got a little bit of upside here. He's can He can potentially drop you 30 DK points, which would be great for his price tag. And if he gets you more than that because he happens to have a good night, well, that's just a bonus to me because I feel like others are going to be looking at that Isaiah Joe Kenrich Williams kind of night that they had 
But I think those are more traps than anything. Only played 22 minutes, shot really outside of their regular kind of efficiency, and also were handling the ball a lot more, especially in the case of Kendrick Williams than you would otherwise expect. So I'm going to say don't fall for that. Don't be looking at too much at the box scores and hoping that they can recreate it for those price tags. If you're going to go for that small forward, Lou Dort, or potentially Jalen Williams are the guys you're looking at. But that, that's nine games, Ramiz. That's nine games we've gone ahead and gotten through over here. So obviously lots and lots of options over here. Lots of ways that you can construct your lineup. And lots of ways that you could potentially do really well with a contrarian one, given the fact that you have all those options. But let's see how that goes. And before we go off today, as always, Thrive Fantasy is where we really park our vehicle at the end over there. And really... Honestly, this was tough. I was going through a number of these props here and none of them were like really jumping out at me, except for the two that I did end up taking. One being, I guess, a little less risky, which is the Draymond Green one at uh, 10.5 rebounds and assists to go over that to get 85 points. I thought that's going to be one that should be pretty comfortable for you to be able to start, just given the fact that uh, Draymond, once everyone's healthy, is this that much more involved as a facilitator, and he always gets his rebounds there, so it shouldn't take too much for him to get past that. And the second one was Darius Garland. You know, we spoke about everything that uh, you know we like about Garland, even when Donovan Mitchell's there, but at 34.5 points, rebounds, and assists in a matchup that should be quite fast-paced, Golden State on a back-to-back could be a little bit more exhausted and not able to deal with the pace that Darius Garland does bring on the floor. I think 105 points for him to go over that is a pretty good shout. What do you think? I like those picks. I, I got three picks, actually. And I got, uh, okay. I went with some risky ones. I like going for the risky ones because there's more upside in them. And I got first starting off with uh, Luca just getting over 8.5 total assists. I think without Christian Wood, I mean, I mean, Luca's usage is always so high where he – He's going to have the ball in his hands, so I think the opportunity is going to come where he can get a double-digit assist. So I think 8.5 shouldn't be too much of a problem for Luka to go for. Uh, I also went with Aaron Gordon over 10.5 total rebounds assist. I think with the how Jokic and Miles Turner tend to play a lot more perimeter, I think uh, Aaron Gordon will be in the paint a lot more and be able to just snatch up some easy rebounds, get you a few assists, and then go over 10.5 total. And then the last one I went with was LeBron for over 35 and a half total points. LeBron's been on fire recently. Uh, doesn't seem like he's 38 years old. So uh, I think the fact that you can get 110 points for them uh, over 34 and a half, I think uh, that's a good uh, good pick. All right. I like it. Yeah, lots of opportunities there to get some upside. And again, for those who haven't gotten themselves signed up on Thrive Fantasy, definitely go ahead and get yourself on there because it's a little bit different from what you're uh, you know, doing on your DFS lineups day in, day out. Get those props in and uh, find another way to make yourself a little bit of extra cash. But that brings us to the end of our slate today. As always, you can find me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil. You know, it's, it's always tough to be able to deal with the different uh, different kind of ways that you can get your lineups to go. So definitely give me your thoughts on what you think, right? Are are we putting too much emphasis on some of those cheap centers that we have here? Do you instead want to go with Jokic and uh, feel that you're a little bit safer with some of those kind of safer floor, maybe not as much high upside and go maybe with upside somewhere else? As always, lots of ways. So hit me up on the DMs as you always do and uh, tell me what you think and we'll come back and uh, really discuss what's happening there. And Ramiz, what about you? Where can the people find you on Twitter? They can find me at 2nice, spelled T-O-0 underscore nice underscore.
Love it. Well, as always, make sure to follow all of us. Make sure to keep yourself connected with that Sports Ethos DFS Pass if you haven't as of yet. Again, we talk about it every time, that live injury report, that access on Discord to Ask the Pros, and the access on sportsethos.com where you not only get, obviously, where wherever you're listening to this podcast, but you get the DFS delivery, another just excellent resource to be able to give you a little bit more kind of meat on the bones on the research that you're doing when you're building out your lineups. It's, it's tough out there. You want to be able to get the right advice, and that's exactly what we're here for. But until then, we will catch you on the next one. Good luck to everyone, and let's go and kill some GPPs.